Hallelujah. I love those pictures. It gets me excited. And those of you who've been with me over in Malawi, you know that it means a lot to a church as they get ready to put up a building. It adds, it, it adds some credibility to what they're doing. They're already touching lives and making a difference, but for some reason, you have to have some kind of a structure to make a difference within the community. Then you're looked with great respect, and uh, so we get to be a part of that. All right, if you've got your Bibles handy, go ahead and open them up, and uh, you can turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. While you're doing that, uh, I do want to tell you that one of the things the Lord spoke to me about was that uh, for us as a church who believes in a worldwide vision, that every three years we're going to be planning a missions trip as a church. So that means in 2018, 2021, 2024, 2027, 2030, every three years we're going to plan to take a missions trip. So. If that helps you to put things together for you to begin to plan and, and to believe for finances to be able to go, you know, sometimes it can be 2000 sometimes $3,000 that it takes to be able to go on a missions trip. For teenagers that are here, you have to be at least 16 years old to be able to go on that trip. You have to be able to carry your own luggage, and uh, you have to be able to walk and go distances because sometimes we don't always have transportation the way that everybody else does. And you have to be able to get along with people. So if you don't like people, please don't plan to go on a missions trip, okay? <laughs> I'm going. Hallelujah. <laughs> you get crunched together with some folks in a little tiny van, 21 people that seats 15, and you got chickens running under your feet. You better be able to walk in love. All right, are you there in Ephesians? Take a look in chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now that's from the New King James Version. With our projector, we do not have the message version of the Bible, so I'm going to be reading it to you here and just want you to listen to it a little bit differently out of this modern translation. Starting out at verse 15. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly, Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs for your, from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Out of respect of Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. 
Now, I know you've probably heard these verses before, but as I was writing them down, I was thinking about what we're to do as a church for the days that are ahead of us. There's lots of challenges out in our world. There are people that are declaring that uh, Christ is coming back in mid-September. There is a uh, Jewish rabbi that uh, says he's a Christian and has said now according to what he's figured out with the dates and timing on everything that Christ will come somewhere between the 15th and 25th of September. And uh, you know, all I could think of was back in 1988 when that book came out, 88 Reasons Why Christ Was Coming in 1988. And of course, today is 2015. And we were all reminded that we weren't going crazy with that because the Bible says no one, do, no one knows the time or the hour. No one knows exactly when Christ is coming back. None of the angels do, only God the Father does. But there are people that are out there speaking saying, look what's happening in the world today. There may be some very chaotic things that are happening. There may be some very confusing things that we're seeing people that have lived in our own country that are aligning themselves up with terror groups to do awful things. But I can tell you this much, when you have been born again, you have died to self and you have become alive to God. I'm not planning on dying prematurely. I'm not planning on sitting back saying, well, who cares if somebody kills me? I can tell you this much, that no matter what they do to our bodies, when Christ is your Lord and Savior, literally at that moment, if you would be under attack, your body would lay down under the attack and your spirit would just keep on keeping on. You would step right into that very next realm throughout all of glory. Now, I don't believe we're just supposed to be sitting back doing nothing. I believe we're supposed to be praying. I believe that through God's help, every terror attack can be exposed ahead of time and the evil can be stomped out. And if that means killing those people, it will happen. But that way, the innocent will not be hurt. Sort of a, a tough subject to broach on a Sunday morning. But at the same time, I want to help you see some things here because the Bible is wanting us to always be alert and to be aware. We must know that when you take a stand for God, God will take a stand for you. Hallelujah. In verse 15, it says the word circumspectly. And then we heard through the message version, it said, watch your step. In other words, we need to be aware of what's going on. Have you ever been with someone and it seems like they're so preoccupied with something, you could say there's a fire on the bottom of your pant legs and they would not pay any attention to you. They, they just seem way out there in their mind. Listen, we've got to be alert. We've got to be watching what's happening around us. Verse 16, there's a word that jumps out here. It says, redeeming the time. Then in the new, I should say, in the message version, it says, make the most out of every chance that you get. It's important that we know that we've been given an opportunity. You've been given life today. You are alive and in this place because of God's plan and purpose for you. There are no accidents that come in the life of a believer. But when the attacks come, God is there to help you walk through them victoriously and to see his plan in action. God's not a genie that he carries a wand and just sort of whips it around you. But the fact is he has given you power through his blood and through his name and through his word. And then he has filled you with the spirit that has given you all power and might so that nothing shall be impossible for you. Can I get an amen? 
Verse 17 highlights the word unwise. In the message version, it says, don't live carelessly. Now, in verse 18, it's interesting. It says, don't be drunk with excess in the New King James. And then as we go over here, it says, be filled with the Spirit, constantly speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Then we find out in the message, it says, don't drink too much wine. It cheapens your life. See, the world always tries to have a counterfeit to God. There is so much joy in the Lord that if you will be hooked up with him, you can have as much excitement and joy in your life as if you were somebody who is in a bar that was just partying till you dropped to the floor. See, the good news is the hangover from God, it takes you from glory to glory to glory. In the tavern, it's going to take you up and it's going to drop you down. The problem is on the way down, you may not remember what was happening or taking place. There's all kinds of things that happen with the world's version of fun compared to the things that God has to offer. Now, I thought it was interesting. In the message version, it uses a word that I wasn't familiar with. It says huge amounts or huge drafts, or sorry, huge drafts of him. I had to look up that word drafts, and it was an old English word but it has a very peculiar definition to it because it means a word that would be used like when you're playing checkers or when you're playing chess. It means the greater understanding of it is there'll be many moves that will happen. So if you're playing a game of checkers, you're always moving back and forth. So let's apply it to what the word says. Drink the spirit of God in huge drafts. I want to move a God in me today. I want a move of God in me tomorrow. I want a move of God in me the next day. I want a move of God constantly happening in my life. Hallelujah. Don't you love the power of words? It's so amazing, isn't it? Because if you will dig into it, you'll see all that God has. Verse 19 says, Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Over in the message version, it says, singing hymns instead of drinking songs. Isn't it interesting? Man, sometimes you can be around people, and when they're drunk, you're either going to find real happy people or real angry people when they're drunk. Liquor does things to people differently. Same thing with drugs. It doesn't matter. It's an outside stimulus that is a counterfeit to the things of God. So he says here, sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our master Jesus Christ. Any reason for a song. Man, I, I don't know. Maybe you're not much of a singer. Maybe you're a whistler. <laughs> Maybe you're a hummer. <laughs> Is that a real word? Not a car. Okay. You missed that. Okay. All right. There we go. Maybe you hum all the time. Maybe you whistle. Maybe you make a song up. Maybe you find different ways to rejoice. But you know what happens when people are happy, they're giddy. Look at your neighbor and say giddy. Giddy. They're, they're carefree. When they're carefree, they don't care what anybody else thinks. They are happy. And so many times you'll find people that will be singing. And they will give just a great shout of joy. They get up in the morning, they've got a song in their heart. Now listen, when people have great burden on their heart, usually they're not giddy. Usually they're not singing a song. Usually they've got so much weighing down on their mind with worry and fear that before you know it, they don't have anything good to say. Their countenance drops, everything about them is affected. Folks, 
when you know that Jesus Christ has your destiny in his hands, the times that you don't feel giddy, he will help you become giddy as you worship and praise his name. You don't praise him for the problem. You praise him for the solution that's going to walk you through that problem because you walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? You have this in verse 21, or verse 20, it says here, giving thanks always. Giving thanks always. Verse 21, it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. In the message version, it says, out of the respect of Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. For some reason in our world today, if you take a stance on anything you believe, especially a biblical standard, if you hold on to something that's very dear within your heart and that you believe, some people in the world get very upset about it. You can't say you have that standard. You can't say you believe that. That's a mean action. That's a mean thought. Listen, you have to have a standard that is from your heart and your life, and we as believers, we get it from the Word of God. But that doesn't mean you have to be mean-spirited. Follow me on this. Listen, you don't have to be angry towards everybody. Have you ever seen folks, they get really serious about a cause, and because they get serious about a particular cause, they get mean. Right now, our country is really battling with trying to figure out who is right and who is wrong. Right now, if you talk to some people, every policeman is a bad policeman. You talk to some people, every black teenager is a bad black teenager. Folks, that's not the truth. That's not the way it is. We've got to understand something. As a nation, there will always be excesses in whatever position of authority there is out there because it's just man-made authority. But when you have a God authority and God comes into your life, it balances out everything. And the only way we're going to see peace within our nation, listen, we're just coming into the summer. I know this morning when you got up, you thought to yourself, yesterday I didn't have a jacket, today I need a jacket. I know, you're thinking that. You probably went around the house closing the windows from the cool draft that was coming in there. But it sure felt good last night while you were sleeping. The simple fact is, seasons change. And when there are issues that people are uncourteous to each other, when people are rough and ruthless to each other, it does not solve anything. We have to be able to come to solutions that are based off of the Word of God, and part of that comes from having a mutual respect for each other. So if you run into people that don't believe what you believe, you can still be courteous to them. You can still be loving to them. You can still care for them because Jesus loved you. When you were not a Christian, Jesus loved you. Maybe you've always been a believer. Praise the Lord if that's your testimony. But you know what? Some of you came out of the tavern and gave your heart to Jesus. Some of you came out of a drug culture and gave your heart to Jesus. Some of you came out of a life that was all centered around you and you found him as Lord and Savior. And a change happened. Your words started to change. And before you know it, you didn't talk the way you used to talk. I told this story years ago, but I'll never forget an evangelist that was holding a crusade and a man came forward to give his life to Jesus Christ and a little later the evangelist went down on the floor with the microphone and he was asking people what's God done for you what's God done for you and he came up to this one man and he just happened to be a truck driver now Darren don't be offended 
or anybody else that drives a truck that I don't know. But he went up to the man, and the guy was sitting there just slapping his knees like this, and he held the microphone up to him. He says, what has happened to you today? He said, it's the damnedest thing. <laughs> and he was, see, he was just talking from his heart. And then he said several other things that I'm not going to repeat here today. And everybody in the crowd was just, oh, oh, you know, three grandmothers passed out. <laughs> And the evangelist said to him, what happened to you? He said, I came in here with hatred and anger, came in here because someone asked me to come, but I didn't want to come. And he said, something has happened to me on the inside. And the evangelist looked at everybody because they were still, you know, in shock over his wording. And the evangelist said, Listen, God just changed this man's heart. He has a new heart right now. So watch him in the days that are ahead, and you will continue to see a change. And the truck driver said, did I do something wrong? He said, well, you weren't using our words yet. <laughs> now hear me out on this one. Sometimes church people have their own language and subculture, and you use that against unbelievers. Sometimes people come across holier than thou. Sometimes they have a, such a way of talking that no one who's an unbeliever could even understand what you said. Oh, I'm just so thankful for my sanctification. It has separated me from the things of this world and given me an exposure to the heavenly host. Hallelujah. What, 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 what does that mean? What that means is this. God saved you, you old heathen. He changed your life, and now you found the glory of God. You could say something like that. Man, I used to be a heathen. God changed me. You can't believe the stuff I did, but God changed me. Hallelujah. Or you can talk church talk. Glory. Hallelujah. Now, I like to say glory. I like to say hallelujah. I like to say praise the Lord. But let's not let it become a byword. Listen, for us as a church, we're so far from being a byword, I want to encourage you to use it. Because some of you just aren't even sure, can I say that out loud? Can I say praise God? Hallelujah, yes, you can. This church, it's welcomed. It's a part of what we do. This man's life continued on, and I remember watching a particular program, and this fella came back up. It was two weeks later from the tent meeting that was going on, the crusade that was happening. And he stood up before the people, and God had touched him. He had on a suit. He had on a tie. He was wanting to show his best and give his best before God. And he stood up, and he said, I am here to testify what you saw when I came to that altar is not the man that I am today. God and his word can change anybody. Can I get an amen? Now, to maintain a fresh anointing, we have to continually feast upon the word and the spirit. We have to speak out what's on the inside of us because what's on the inside of us will show up. I don't mean to put on something fake, put on your church voice. You stupid kids, get in the car. We're going to church. Then you walk in the door and, well, praise the Lord, we're here. Hallelujah. Children, go to class. Be anointed. Hallelujah. Because somebody else has to put up with your crap instead of me. Listen, um, 
that's not the way to give glory to God. Oh, good. At least you're all awake today. <laughs> Folks, if it ain't working at home, it ain't going to work faking it at church. Never try to just come in acting like Mr. or Mrs. Big Shot spiritually. Be the people of God that you are. You are created in God's likeness. You have a creativity about you. I know, maybe when you draw stick people, they look, don't look like stick people. Maybe there's just something that isn't there. I, I was asked on Friday, I judged an art contest for the eighth graders for the uh, junior high school here in Silvis. And a friend of mine who graduated a year ahead of me in high school runs a design shop and he was sponsoring this. He said, I'd like you to be a judge for this contest. And I said to him, my stick people look bad. I said, that's not my gift. I said, you want me to judge art? I said, I don't even know if I can. He said, I've got a cheat sheet all made up for you. For every picture you look at, it'll ask, do you see this, this, or this? Man, that made it so much easier. We're looking at all the art, and myself and two other judges are looking over everything. And by looking at his definition, an artist, I could see what he was looking for. But for me, I just like happy pictures. You know, I like pictures of landscape or people, and, and I like happy, bright colors. Uh, I'm not used, there were several that were just pencil drawings, and they were very detailed, very good, but to me, ugh. <laughs> I, I'm not interested in pencil art, but there had to be a category for pencil art. And so once I knew that, and that my friend who's an artist says, this is art, I said, okay, that's art. You understand, there's some things none of us know, but we can learn. We can learn from people who know. They can train us, they can teach us, they can help us. Let's stay in the New Testament, go over to the book of Colossians, just a few pages back there. Colossians chapter 3, and I want you to know all the people that I voted for, for the best, they all won. There'll be a presentation two Saturdays from now down at the Hero Street Monument. Their art theme was all about being first responders, and they did a great job. All right, Colossians chapter 3, and take a look in verse 16 and 17. Start out with me in verse 16. Colossians 3:16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Do everything in the name of Jesus Christ. Do everything for the glory of God. You'll see more of the anointing of God in your life when you worship. Now, even if you can't carry a tune, you know what? You can worship God. All it takes is having a grateful heart. All it takes is just saying, Lord, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. You can have an attitude in your heart and in your mind that says, I'm here to glorify God. And maybe you're in a workplace that you can't stop what you're doing, but you're doing a process that you can just follow through, and yet you can still have something going on in your spirit. And you've got joy inside you because you're given God first place. Now, don't stop working and have your boss come up to you on Monday and say, why aren't you working? And say, Shh, I'm having a time of worship. Pastor said we're supposed to do this. It's going to make us feel closer to God. He's going to say, well, I hope your pastor can write your paycheck. 
So you, you've got to be able to find the balance of every bit of it. You've got to find the way to make things happen here. Because in this same chapter, look on at uh, verse 17. Verse 17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In everything we do, find a way to give God glory. Maybe you have not, with the rain the way it's been, maybe you've not been able to keep up with grass cutting. And so for you today, after you take time to honor your moms, call them, go out to eat with them, do whatever you're going to do there. If your mom's already moved to heaven, maybe you're heading to the cemetery to put out uh, flowers or something this way, or making a phone call because they live far away from you. After you finish it up, in your mind, you're wanting to cut grass because you haven't been able to keep up with it. And your yard looks like you're grazing cattle, just like the back of the church out here right now. The fact is that sometimes we look at our jobs and we departmentalize everything in our brain and we leave God over here at the church building and we leave him out of everything else we do. Cut your grass for the glory of God. Eat your supper for the glory of God. Watch a movie or play a game with your family tonight for the glory of God. How can I do that? You keep an attitude in your heart that you're going to love Jesus. You're going to serve him in everything you do. You're going to be a part of what happens so that when you're playing a card game and you're losing, you don't get mad at everybody in the family. I never win. I don't know why I ever play this game. Everybody always, they're cheating, 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 cheating. You know what? You just left Jesus out. And remember, it's just dominoes. It's not rocket scientists material that's going to change the world. It's just dice. It's just a spinner. It's just whatever it is. Cards. Lighten up a little bit. Please, I lose all the time at games. To me, playing with my family, I know somebody else is going to win. But that gives me more reason to sit back and eat more snacks while they're all playing. I'm not under pressure. They can be intensely going at it here, wanting to get the high score. And I'm sitting back just saying, oh, summer sausage. Cheese in a can. It's my turn? All right, here, let's get it over with. Oh! Take Jesus everywhere with you. Take him in the car. Listen, young people, when it's time for you to start dating and you hit that right age that you're going to begin dating when you're 22 and you start to go out on that date... I got to tell you, you need to remember Jesus is right there with the two of you. He is there in the car. He's not going to step out and say, oh, you want to make out? I'll step out. I'll go out. He wants to be a part of everything in your life. Keep him in there. This is what this word is telling us. Well, let's go over to Psalms in the Old Testament. Psalms 95. Psalms 95 and verse 2. Psalms 95, verse 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Now, thanksgiving here, this originally was written in the Hebrew language, the Old Testament. And there's a Hebrew word here for this, and it is the word Toda, T-O-D-A-H. 
the Hebrew word for thanksgiving. It's derived from a word. It's derived from a verb. The, and the verb is yada. And it means to hold out the hand, an extension of the hand, especially to reverence or to worship God. So when we come before God with thanksgiving, this is why as a church, if you're new with us and you don't understand this, this is why we raise our hands. We are thankful to God. We're not just raising our hands because it's the climactic moment of a song. The music has gotten louder. We're coming up to the end of the song. So that must mean it's time for us to worship. We're to be worshiping and thanking God all the time simply because he is God. Amen? He's worthy to be praised. So here we are talking these other verses about what our words, our actions, our life should be. And here in this verse, it tells us right there, come before his presence with thanksgiving, with toda. Hallelujah. Come with your arms extended up to the Lord. It's just like a small child. A small child is completely dependent upon its parents. So when it's down at your knees and it's holding its hands up going, ah, 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 hold me, pick me up, pick me up. I want you to know when you're giving God glory, you are his child and you're holding up your hands saying, God, I love you. I just want to be in your arms. I want to be in your presence. I want to know your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stay in Psalms and look at 144 verse 1. Psalms 144 and verse 1. Psalms 144, verse 1. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. God is training our hands for war. See, every time you're worshiping God, you are declaring in the heavenlies that God is superior to every evil demonic force that is out there. Every time you give glory to God, you lift your hands to him. It's not a hard thing. I grew up in a denominational church that did not do much about worship. This past week when I was uh, gone to the, uh, on Thursday and Friday last week, when I was getting training for our Silvis Fire Department chaplaincy, I was with a man who was pastoring the church that I grew up in. And this man loves Jesus man he has just got a heart for God and so we were sharing he was asking my experiences I told him about when my pastor got born again at a lay witness mission I told him that he said you know what he said I was in the ministry for two years before I got saved he said I was in this ministry and he said I was doing all these things and helping people and he said one day I thought to myself I've got an empty hole in my heart what am I missing and he said, finally, he said, I went through four years of college. I went through three years of seminary. And he said, no one told me how to be born again. So listen, folks, just because a place is called for training ministry doesn't mean they're training people for ministry. Pray for them still. This man now, man, his heart's on fire for God. And as we're talking together, he said, I had such an urge inside me to find something deeper and greater. And when I got born again, he said, it changed my whole life. I said, well, you know, when we were there, we were very careful because then we got filled with the Holy Spirit. So we would have prayer meeting and people held their hands up in prayer meeting, but they went into church. They didn't do it because the pastor we'd had uh, that came in, he'd been in a church where half the church got filled with the Holy Spirit and half the church wasn't.
And so the church that wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit sat over here. The church that was filled with the Holy Spirit sat over here. And they sort of looked at each other across the aisle. And so his attitude was, you know what? I don't want to even touch this. I'm not going to preach on it. I'm not going to tell anybody because it just causes strife. You know what? The poor thing, the poor man, he was missing it because the Holy Ghost doesn't cause strife. People cause strife. Attitudes of superiority cause strife. Never sit back and say, oh, I'm so much more spiritual than the church of blankety blank. I'm so much more spiritual than the church down the road. Stop that kind of an attitude and understand that if you have got something big from God, rejoice and give him thanks and praise. Hallelujah. As he got out of the car that day with me, as he was uh, dropping me off and we were getting things out, he looked and he said, I want the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He said, I want it because he said, I listen to the things that you say and when you talk about God, he said, I listen to the way you express things. And he goes, it, it's just like you and him are so close and I want that same closeness. I said, all you have to do is ask and you can have it. Now, I'm careful how that, I say that to you because if you know me, I don't toot my horn. That's not what was happening. I was just sharing my heart with him as we drove to Effingham for four hours and back. And we needed to have more conversation to share a little bit more about the Holy Ghost with him. So on the way back in Champaign, where there was road construction, he took the wrong road. As we're traveling down the road, at one point I see a road sign, and it says, Kankakee, 46 miles. I said, I think we're going the wrong way. At that moment, he goes, I was thinking nothing looked familiar. He said, do you think things happen for a reason? I said, absolutely. And we kept sharing and talking about Jesus. So it was two hours later. I missed dinner. My wife had made tacos. Her tacos are better than any place in town. But you know what? The tacos could be heated up and have another time. And we did. But the important thing was sharing the word with him and encouraging him so that he will stay hungry for God. Never sit back and think you can come into this church and pick up on everybody else's spirituality. Don't you ever be a spiritual freeloader. Come in here and do your part. Don't think you can whiz in the door after we're done with worship and praise and get to bask in the glory if you didn't put anything out. You're not going to get hardly anything except the residue because you're not seeking God. We have to seek him. We have to seek him. Yeah, but pastor, I'm down spiritually. I understand that there are times that people can be down and they are at the bottom of their life and they're trying to hold a hand up saying help. Not, I'm not talking about that. You come in and suck up everything of the glory because we got enough for everybody. Amen. There's enough here if you want it. There's enough here if you want it. You can let that come in and you will be raised up. I'm talking about being lazy. Don't be lazy with your spirituality. Don't sit back and say, well, let the worship team do it. You know, if they can just sing that one song they did last week, wow, then I'll be ready to worship. Oh, they didn't sing it. Well, hallelujah. You know, I love you, Jesus. Amen. 
Don't ever do that. You're missing out on God. Get everything God has for you every single day. Tonight when you worship him before you go to bed, tomorrow when you get up in the morning, worship him and give him glory and get everything he has for you. Let thanksgiving come up. Let the toda come up inside of you. Let the glory of God come up on the inside and then see that he's training your hands for war, your fingers for battle. What are these extensions on the end of our hands? These fingers that are here, what is that all about? When you do a little bit more word study on it here, you see that the fingers are representative of what you shoot at the enemy. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not just this. That might have been good when you were a kid playing cowboys and Indians or whatever you were doing there. But I'm telling you, your fingers have been given to you as a sign and a remembrance that when you lift your hands up before God, you're saying to the enemy, you're defeated by the blood of Jesus. You're defeated at the cross. You're defeated. I refuse to let you take and waste my time. I am covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the power of Almighty God. Raise your hands in warfare before the Lord, for he is worthy of praise. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go out and say, oh, come on now, we've got to take on all the demons. You need to tell the demons that they need to remember what Jesus did on the cross. Your spiritual warfare is thanking God that you have the victory that happened upon the cross. And when you do that, you are able to see those attacks and those demonic activities to be stopped in their tracks because you are a person of worship. Oh, get on with everything God has. Even if the worship team stands up here next week and they start singing this song, Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow hallelujah hallelujah and they start singing in the spirit and you go can you believe they're singing a nursery rhyme well that whole rhyme was all put together talking about the virgin mary bringing forth the baby jesus can you worship god with that i can worship god no matter what kind of music is going some of you love country music i don't know why some of you love rock music. I don't know why. Some of you like this or that. There's all kinds of varieties that are out there. It doesn't matter what the beat is. You can worship God. Hallelujah. Yes, but one's more energetic. Pastor, you should listen to country music because it's not like that evil rock and roll. Oh, let's see. Let me think of some tunes, some words in some country music out there. My wife left me, my dog left me, my gun rack in the back of my truck fell off down the road. I got a flat tire, my dog came back and bit me, and my wife wants alimony, oh. Oh yeah, that's uplifting. So don't try to tell me one type of music is better than the other. But whatever type you like, worship before God. And even if that type isn't going, worship before God. You know, we go on vacation. A lot of times we'll visit a church if we're in a, in a community on a Sunday. You go into that church, it's not going to be exactly like here. It's going to be different. Can you worship? Can you give God glory? Amen. What if they do all old hymns? Hallelujah, they were inspired by God. Worship him. What if they do all new worship songs that have a different beat, more of an urban sound than what we do here, and you sit there and go, I, know, I don't know that song. 
I'm not going to sing that. I don't know those words. That's why they're on the wall. Give him glory. Give him honor. Give him praise. Let's go over to Psalms 47 and verse 1. If I've insulted you this morning, I'm sorry. Especially if I insulted your type of music. Maybe you write songs like that about your dog and your wife running off together. Leaving you for a cowboy. Psalms 47, verse 1. Psalms 47 and verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. That's why we clap our hands. We like to give glory to God. It's good for you to just clap and to give him glory and praise. It's good. There's nothing wrong with it. Now, the other thing is, too, when you're worshiping, don't think that just clapping your hands for Jesus is the only way to do it. You've got time. You can give God glory if you want to give him a clap offering, but don't let that be the substitute for your words. Don't let it be a substitute because you've got to communicate with your words. If you want to clap for him, give him that clap. Praise the Lord. There's nothing wrong with it. It's biblical. It's scriptural. But then lift your hands up and glory to God. Hallelujah, Lord. I love you. I give you praise. Hallelujah. You can do that even while you're clapping. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Glory to God. It's got to come from the heart. Yeah, but pastor, I came from a church that people didn't clap. We were the non-clappers. You know what? We've got non-clappers here. We've got people here that are worried that pews are going to float off the ground. I'm going to let other people clap because I've got to hold the pew down in front of me. I'm fearful that the way things are going, pews are going to start floating up on the ceiling. So they hold the pew like this. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, I understand if you don't have any rhythm, please hold the pew down. You're going to get everybody else off. So it's okay. Hold the pew down or lift up your hands in glory to God. That's okay too. There's not just one way to worship. Worship must happen within your heart. It must be a part of what goes on. And if you came from a non-clapping church, thank you for coming to a clapping church. If you need clapping lessons, we will help you. You can either clap on the beat or you can clap on the offbeat. One and two and three and four and clap your hands. All ye people shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Well, can we do that on the beat? Clap your hands. All ye people shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Yeah, you know, most white people clap on the beat. And they have to be re-educated that there's a different way to do things, and it's a little bit easier, and it makes the music roll just a little bit better. Ask any drummer. They'll tell you that, too. It makes a difference. Okay, now that I've insulted everybody today with some part of what I'm talking about, go over to the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah 55. Man, he insulted my country music. How'd he know my dog left me? Because it was here last night, baying at the moon. Isaiah 55, and take a look at verse 12. Isaiah 55, verse 12. There was a song toward the end of the charismatic movement that was so popular, and it came from these words. 
And in verse 12 it says, And you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. So in lots of charismatic meetings, they would finish up, that'd be the song before you went out the door. And the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Trees of the fields will clap their hands. Trees of the fields will clap their hands as we go out with joy. And it was just one of those sort of a Jewish type sounding songs and everybody loved it. It came from the word. Think about this, nature is going to show signs again of rejoicing in the presence of God. The word tells us right now the earth is under great pressure and strain because of sin. The earthquakes that you're hearing about is not because only one person has done something bad and God's punishing them. The earth is under great pressure from sin and it is waiting again to be able to let all nature show the glory of God. Remember when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on the donkey and they said to him, I want you to be quiet. You've got to tell these people to be quiet. They're praising you. You need to tell them to be quiet. And he said, if I tell them to be quiet, even the rocks will begin to rise up and praise me. Now, I've never seen a rock talk. We've got plenty of them out in the parking lot. None of them have raised up and made a voice. Pastor, they're inanimate objects. The word tells me that all of God's creation was put here by him with a blessing. And before the sin nature ever took place upon this earth, all of nature had a resounding sound of the joy of the Lord. There will be a day when we are in the new Jerusalem walking on the streets of gold and you will see that this city will come back down upon a new earth and everything on this earth will rejoice and praise God Amen. hallelujah can you imagine walking by flowers that are singing praise to God pastor that, that's just too weird that's too far out there I know it I just want to stretch your thinking today on this because there will be a moment that we will see all nature worshiping God the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Stay close to God. Otherwise, you'll miss out and could even miss your eternity. Now, we've got a few more moments here, so I want to jump ahead if I can. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6, Beth. Hebrews chapter 6. As I mentioned at the beginning, with what's happening with terrorist groups and others within our own community and in our world, we need to know that God is looking for people sold out to him. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 6, take a look with me at verse 1 through 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of the repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Verse 3. And this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy, Sp uh, Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come 
verse 6, if, would you all say if with me, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again to themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. There's a lot of people that don't always stay close to God. The majority do. They just follow God. They love him with all their heart. There are some people that are backslidden. That's a term you don't hear a lot about, but some. It means they're not walking close to God. They have slid back in their expression of worship and love for the Lord. They haven't denied him. They haven't walked away from him. They're just not as close to him as they used to be. There are some people that don't go to church anymore because they got hurt feelings or something happened, but it doesn't mean that they don't love the Lord. Now, the problem is, of course, Scripture tells us in Hebrews not to forsake the assembling together with the body of Christ because there's certain things that will only happen in the church with other believers versus just when we are alone. Not only the accountability, but everything tied in with it. And then this Scripture tells us that if a person gets to the place where they completely walk away from Christ, no one will be able to lead them back. They will have lost their salvation. Personally, I don't know anybody who's ever done that. I've known people that have been really backslidden. They're missing out on the good things of God. But this word speaks and it says here, verse 5, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. You know, people that have seen answers to prayer. They've seen miracles. They've seen power of God. But something happens and they choose to walk away from God and they choose to deny the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, some people say things when they're mad. Oh, I hate God. I don't believe in him. I hate God. I hate God. My grandma died too early. I hate God. My mother died too early. I hate God. They say those words, but they don't mean them. Be careful that you don't condemn somebody just because they say something out of anger. We've got to look at their heart. And in the natural, you and I can't see their heart. So how do we figure this out? This is talking about people who will never repent. No matter what happens, they will finish up their life angry and bitter toward God and they have denied him and nothing will ever bring them back. See, if somebody will still repent, they've, lost, they've not lost their salvation. They're just backslidden. You can't get reborn again. You only get born again once. You don't have to get born again every day. But the good thing about the Spirit is when you've been born again every day, you will become a new creation in Christ. Every day will new, be new in the presence of God. Now, there's people who say, no, no, no. Once saved, always saved. When you're in Christ, you will always be born again. Amen, I agree with that. In Christ, you will always be born again. But it wouldn't have said if they fall away if it wasn't possible for someone to lose their salvation. Now, the sad part is, who can tell when a person loses their salvation? It's just one of those things I don't ever want to get close to. I don't ever want to get so far away from God that I don't know if I have fellowship with him or not. You and I are living in a time when lots of Christians are outside of the church and they need to be brought back in. We need to love on them. Don't condemn them. Don't look and say, well, what's the use talking to them? They've, they've lost their salvation. You don't know that. I know what the word says, but you personally don't know it because you're not the judge of their soul. Only Jesus, only the Spirit knows the things that are going on there. 
you and I need to love on them. Can you imagine if every believer came back into the church and the church opened and welcomed them with their arms extended and said, welcome home, what it would do to change their lives. Not only would there be a greater power of the flow of the Spirit in the local church, but there would be a greater power and flow of the Spirit in their personal lives. I hesitated at first when I was putting this teaching together this week to bring this up because I know some folks have been raised up in different denominations that they say it doesn't matter what you do you go out and get in a drunken stupor and you're still going to heaven yet the word tells us that you know there's not going to be drunks in heaven there's not going to be liars in heaven there's got to be something that has to change within our hearts something has to go on so how do we find the balance of that if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again to themselves the son of God and put them to an open shame they'll not come back but just because someone is walking far away from God doesn't mean you and I shouldn't reach out to them remember what I said earlier as we read that verse about being courteous toward others just because someone says to you that they are not walking close to God or they don't go to church don't write them off help them come back into the fellowship of God Help them corporately to come back in with other believers to do something for the Lord. Help them find a place of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Help them draw upon the power of God. Maybe they've been so hurt that they've just pushed everything away. Help them come back to the Lord. That's our commitment as a church. We will not push anybody out because of their experience. We will reach out and love them in the power of God. We will do our best to try to find ways to draw upon the anointing of the Lord and let him change us. We're not perfect. If you're looking for a perfect church, it ain't us. But if you're looking for the presence of God and a people who will hunger for the Lord, we will hunger for him together. Worship team, if you'd come up. Hallelujah. I know we're coming close to 1130 here, but I'd like to invite you to stand up with me and just go with me into prayer before God. I've got friends. I've got people I went to high school with that don't darken the door of a church. I've got friends that were at one time a part of a church and something happened. They got divorced and the church treated them like they had leprosy. You know what? That's not the unpardonable sin. God wants to restore people's lives. Will you just join me right now and close your eyes, open up your heart before God, and would you tell God, I'm available to help others. I'm available to love people back to life. You can just say those words right there. Let it come up from your heart. Would you be willing to stand up before the Lord and say, God, give me a compassion towards the lost. Give me a compassion towards the disenfranchised. Give me a compassion toward my fellow man. Now here's a big one. Give me a compassion toward Muslims. Don't you be scared of them. You got the power of God in you. They need Jesus and they'll never hear it or see it if you don't be the one to share it. Give me a compassion 
toward Muslims. Give me a compassion to the worst of the worst. Give me a compassion towards people that are different than me. Give me a compassion. Now, Lord, while we're in prayer here, touch our hearts. Touch our hearts. If by some means there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'm going to say a prayer, and you can let Christ come into your heart if you'll repeat that prayer with me and believe it. So believers, will you just take a moment now, just lift up your hands and give some toda, give some thanksgiving to God. Let your voice come up before the Lord. And if you need Christ, say this prayer right where you are while people are praying around you. Lord God, forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Come into my life. You are my Lord and my Savior and my King. Now you can lift up your hands before God too and thank Him because you've just been saved. You're born again. You've had a conversion. A new beginning is getting ready to happen to you. If you need prayer, feel free to come to the altar. If you need healing body, feel free to pray over you. But if you need something from the Lord, come on down here today. You've already been praising. You've already been worshiping. Now if you need a touch of God, come on to the altar and we'll be happy to lay hands on you and believe for the Spirit of the Lord to finish the work up today. Otherwise, sing with the worship team. Give God glory and let's wait upon him. Hallelujah.